One more note before we get into the show. If this podcast is one that you enjoy, please head over to iTunes and drop a five-star rate and review or wherever it is you get your podcast content. It goes a long way in helping me keep this podcast free for hopefully years to come. All right, now let's get into the show. Self-quarantine, day three. Welcome to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. All kidding aside, um, I hope that this content that I have been putting out daily for the last few days is at least able to take your mind off everything that is happening and the current situation in this crazy uh, world for 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I felt as though it was a good time for this information to be put in to podcast form. I wasn't planning on doing it right now, but obviously with everything being shut down and there not being a ton of content to consume in terms of actual live sports or DFS content pertaining to playing DFS, uh, I felt as though, you know, and obviously I'm home now, hanging out, nothing to do, good time to release it. If you haven't, check out the first two episodes. Um, They basically dealt with the millionaire maker, how lineups were constructed, how much money was left on the table, uh, what type of players were played in the flex, how often do you have to have a player under 5% owned in your lineup, um, things of that nature. Should you stack? Should you run it back with an opposing player? Should you stack running back in defense. Um, and it, I just looked at the last three years of uh, Millionaire Maker winning teams and how they came out on top and what were the trends of those winning teams. Today I want to talk about the accuracy of the DFS industry. And one thing I do, um, I write for Fanshare Sports, which is a website that compiles and curates all of the players that are being talked about and recommended as DFS plays for that week. So if you go to the website, you can see, uh, for instance, Patrick Mahomes is the most touted quarterback. He's being recommended as a uh, DFS play on 38 websites. And that's the most mentions. That's the most tags. He has the most hits as a mentioned quarterback. So they have this huge list of DFS websites and touts, and Twitter uh, feeds, etc., that they compile uh, a a running tally of how often a player is recommended as a play. Basically what I did, and I've done this for the last three years, I go back and look position by position and take the top touted um, players each week and see how often they meet salary-based expectations for cash games, and for GPPs. Now, before we get into this, you may ask, well, what is meeting salary-based expectations for cash games and GPPs? If you're familiar at all with DFS and how we determine uh, a player's cash game or GPP uh, salary-based expectations, it's usually 3x for cash games and probably about 4x for GPPs. And what I mean by that is if a player is $5,000, 5000 dollars 3x their salary is 15 DraftKings points. Now, there are some weeks where 
you know, the winning score and the cash line in cash games and GPPs is astronomical through the roof. I believe week five of 2019, the cash line for uh, cash games was over 200 and the winning score in the Millionaire Maker was like 330, which was just insane. All the chalk hit um, and you needed just like one low on play to take down big tournaments. Um, and then there's weeks where, you know, 125 is the cash line because all the chalk doesn't hit and most of the players that are in a majority of cash game lineups, you know, don't hit 3x value. So we see that cash line dip a little bit and you don't need um, as solid of a lineup to cash. I did adjust them um, for those, you know, abnormality weeks. I didn't go through and adjust it for every single week so like if the cash line was 143 or if the cash line was 158 i didn't adjust them for those weeks that's a bit of semantics there but for the weeks where the cash line was abnormally high or low i did adjust there okay so let's take a look at the quarterback position very very straightforward um obviously the easiest pre- position to uh, predict and it shows over the last three years the top touted quarterbacks have come in in cash games in 2019, 76% meeting salary-based expectations, 2018, 78%, 2017, 74%. Now, on a week-to-week basis, the amount of quarterbacks that are considered chalk varies. Usually it's only one or two, sometimes it's three, but based on the fan shared data, I do cut it off when I see the amount of tags you know, take a drastic drop. So if Deshaun Watson has 30 tags, and then Andy Dalton has 29 tags, and then the next most mentioned player, if, I don't know, Cam Newton at 18 tags, then I'll separate it there. It'll only be Deshaun Watson and Andy Dalton for that week. Um, But most of the time, it's one or two players uh, that are going to end up being the chalky quarterbacks. There were a handful of weeks over the last three years where like five quarterbacks were all recommended the most. And that ended up, you know, reflecting itself in the week in that week of DFS, you know, quarterback ownership spread out pretty evenly because of that. I did not include those weeks in this uh, study just because there really wasn't a most touted quarterback. There really wasn't a chalky quarterback that week. Okay, so. In GPPs, in those three years for quarterbacks, things get a little bit different. In 17 and 18, uh, the difference in quarterbacks who met cash game value and quarterbacks who met tournament value uh, were pretty widespread. Um, So as I said, in 2017, 74% of quarterbacks hit cash game value, only 37%, which is half, if you could do the quick math there, met tournament value. In 2018, 78% met cash value, 46 met GPP value. A pretty wide margin in the amount of quarterbacks that are hitting, you know, 3x versus the amount of quarterbacks that are hitting 4x. In 2019, 76% hit cash value, 63% hit tournament value. So what that told me was when a quarterback hit value in 2019, they pretty much exploded. The DFS industry is getting better at pinpointing exactly who is going to have a monster game at quarterback, at least in 2019. And I feel like we've seen that across the board. If you listen to my previous episodes, winning lineups are getting a little bit chalkier uh, by each year. 
So it does seem like the DFS industry is getting sharper. Uh, a lot of content creators are, you know, just getting better at identifying which quarterbacks are underpriced and can meet salary-based expectations and actually pretty much explode. A lot more of the same at tight end. I'm going to skip to tight end because the percentages are kind of mirror images of each other. Tight end in 2019, only 47% met cash game value. In 2018, 52% met cash game value. In 2017, 58% met cash game value. So the tight end position is getting a bit harder to predict, it seems. Um, However, what's happening is kind of the same thing that's happening at quarterback. 41% hit GPP value in 2019 compared to 47 meeting cash game value. So the difference in meeting cash value and meeting GPP value, really not much big of a difference. Same thing with quarterback. In 2018, 52% of tight ends met cash game values, 22% of tight ends met GPP value. A huge difference, right? So a lot of tight ends were just hitting that 3x area and not really exploding. Same thing in 2017, 58% met cash game value, 22% met GPP value. So again, in 2019, less, less, uh, a, a smaller percentage of tight ends hit value, but when they did, they exploded, and we, we knew that was happening. You know, Tyler Higby, Austin Hooper a few weeks, they were way underpriced, and they absolutely smashed when they were chalk, and that is why that uh, percentage of cash game and GPP salary-based expectations are a lot closer in 2019. So what I think this says really about our lineups in 2019 was that you needed to be on the right chalk, right? There wasn't uh, a ton more players hitting cash value, but when they made value, they absolutely crushed across the board. So if you were on the right chalk in 2019, you definitely um, were profitable in cash games and GPPs, right? So I know I keep saying the DFS industry is getting sharper, et cetera, et cetera, and we are, but it just looks like we're getting sharper at identifying ceiling games. I really think that that's the case. As you can see, um, you know, when we hit, it is ceiling games from these players. At the running back position in 2019, 57% cash game hit rate, 46% GPP hit rate, 2018, 59% cash game hit rate, 48% GPP hit rate. Very similar there. In 2017, a little bit worse at identifying GPP running backs. 56% cash game hit rate and a 22% GPP hit rate. Running backs are always going to be the second most predictable position in NFL DFS. And it just has to do with how volatile touches are, right? Quarterbacks are the most predictable because they always have the ball in their hand. We know how uh, different teams are going to uh, attack through the air or if a a quarterback has um, a tendency to run. Obviously, those quarterbacks are recommended a lot more for cash games and GPPs because of the ceiling that um, they offer. Then we get to the running backs. Their touches are less volatile, right? The ball's handed to them, so they don't need to complete the process of a deep catch 
for them to pay off value. Most of their targets are, you know, behind the line of scrimmage or at least within five yards of the line of scrimmage, easier balls to catch. Their production has a much higher floor. So that is why they are the second most predictable position. Then we get to the wide receiver. And believe it or not, wide receiver was a bit more predictable in 2019, at least as far as daily fantasy is concerned. In 2019, 46% cash game hit rate for wide receivers, 30% GPP rate. In 2018, it was as low as 27% of a cash game hit rate uh, and 12% of a GPP hit rate. And in 2017, 34% cash game hit rate, and a 13% GPP hit rate. And that is reflective of what we talked about in the last two episodes, right? Lineups, winning lineups were a lot chalkier in 2019 than they were in 2018 and 2017, and a lot of that had to do with the wide receiver position. Still, though, quarterback, the most chalky, the most often position to meet value when they are touted is the quarterback position, then the running back position, uh, tight end follows, and then wide receiver. What does this mean? What lessons can we learn from this? Um, Obviously, it's something that I've been preaching for the last few years. There really is no need to stray away from chalky quarterbacks, especially in cash games and at the running back position. We know that there's only a handful of running backs that we can project for 20-plus touches um, on the ground and through the air. It's important to get those running backs into your lineup. If you are pretty high on a running back that you think no one else is and you think you can project out um, extra touches for them, etc., sure, get the low-owned running back uh, in your tournament lineups. But those two positions, it's okay to be fairly chalky at. Wide receiver is where we kind of want to stray away from the chalk in certain positions we saw in um, the winning millionaire millionaire maker lineups the two wide receiver slots wide receiver two wide receiver three both under 10 percent owned uh, on average so in those positions in those spots that's kind of where you want to um, get away from the chalk and then at tight end uh, tight end has similar percentages to running back and i think that has to do a lot with the fact that their targets are usually closer to the line of scrimmage as well. So overall, we saw much of the same trends in terms of the accuracy of the DFS industry uh, recommending different players at each position. You know, quarterback, obviously, the most accurate. Running back second. Tight end, a close third to running back, believe it or not. Um, And then wide receiver, bringing it up the rear, but getting a little bit closer to third place tight end there in terms of accuracy of projecting salary-based expectations. One thing that I did notice, the industry got a lot better at not shying away from wide receivers and all players in general that were coming off a few bad games. Wow. Will Fuller had a pretty slow start to the season, but then was chalk in week five for his matchup in which he exploded for 50 DraftKings points. Same thing with Christian Kirk. Steady Eddie, you know, five for 50 here and there. But then he was uber chalk, especially in cash games, the week that he put up three touchdowns on Tampa Bay. So one thing that I did notice there was that the industry as a whole getting a bit better in 
you know, shielding their recency bias and not letting that impact who they're recommending as DFS plays. They're kind of just looking at the matchup, looking at the stats, looking at the indicators, and then just rolling with who they feel is in the best spot despite not having a pretty box score in the previous weeks. Okay, that will do it for the Ride in NFL DFS podcast chalk accuracy edition. We have two millionaire maker stats, trends, winning lineups out a chalk accuracy episode. I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. Hopefully they're taking your mind off everything that's going on as you socially distance yourself from the universe. More episodes to come. We have uh, how often does the Uber chalk hit, right? So I extrapolated the really high owned players, you know, like when a key running back gets injured and his backup is 58% owned. How often do those players hit uh, in terms of salary-based expectations, you know, versus like a normal chalk 20 to 30% owned player? And I'll also be taking a look at cash lines um, based on contest size and entry limit and things of that nature to see which are uh, the softest contests for us to enter going forward. That'll do it for the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. Stay tuned for more of these social distancing DraftKings year in review episodes.